Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. While our disciples once again are locked in the upper room for fear, and our Lord appears to them and gives them the Holy Spirit, and he gives them a boldness not to remain isolated, but to go out. Not to be in the world, but not of the world. You know, there was a a fellow seminarian uh, when we joined early on in our seminary days, and he had a huge tattoo of Jesus Christ crucified on his back. And he said he had this tattoo of Jesus crucified because he said, if there's ever a persecution, I will probably be afraid to say I'm a Christian. But if I have a tattoo, then I can never deny the fact that I am a Christian. And this is the great boldness that even the first apostles uh, experienced at the moment of the Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit uh, descended upon them and emboldened them to go out and to preach the gospel. They, they lived their life with great conviction that what they had received was not meant just for themselves, but that it was a reality, it was a gift that was meant for the world. And that first day, there were many, many conversions. You know, this Feast of Pentecost that we celebrate is the fulfillment of Mount Sinai. It's the fulfillment of the law that our Lord gave to the Jewish people because what had happened in their lives, well, what had happened in humanity, was that when our Lord created us, he had written his law upon our hearts. So we knew the law of God that was on our hearts. But then this reality called sin entered into the world and for the Jewish people, sin and slavery, and they had forgotten who God was. They had forgotten the law of God. And so when our Lord freed them from Egypt, he took them to Mount Sinai, and there he gave them his law written on tablets so that they could physically see the law of God written on these these tablets. And this Feast of Pentecost is the descent of the Holy Spirit upon us. So that the law is no longer written on tablets, but the law, once again, is written in our hearts. That God himself dwells within us. And I would even invite us to make that a little bit more personal. That God lives within me. That God loves me so much that he has decided to take up a house within my heart. That wherever I go... There goes God, because His Spirit dwells within me. 
This great gift that I received at baptism, that God lives in my heart. You know, how often, you know, we think when something dramatic or or big happens in our life, and sometimes, you know, our response is, you know, well, that was a Holy Spirit moment. (laughs) But every moment in our life is a Holy Spirit moment. God is a part of every moment, every decision that we make in our life through the indwelling of God's Spirit within our hearts. You know, it's up to us to to activate that reality. You know, I don't want to get the confirmation students here a little bit nervous, but um, uh, my confirmation (laughs) uh, lasted uh, five weeks. (laughs) I had five weeks of classes for about 45 minutes, and uh, and then I went off to a bishop and, and I got confirmed. And uh, uh, there's a whole story behind that, too. <laughs> a lot of prayers of my mom are behind that. And, uh, you know, and at one time I told, when I was discerning the priesthood, the, the deacon was talking about my confirmation. And I said, I said, well, you know what? I really didn't prepare for confirmation too much. I just had, you know, five classes and then, you know, and then I was confirmed. And he said, well, you know, he goes, Josh, it's not about how many classes you had, but it's about the fact that the bishop blessed you, and he imparted upon you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it is now up to you to stir that up. He said it's like chocolate milk, (laughs) right? The chocolate has been poured into your milk, and now you have to stir that up to to make it a reality. God lives within our hearts, and how often do we stir that up in our life? How often do we invoke the presence of God within our lives, within, within our hearts. Three convictions. Three convictions by which we should live our life. Three convictions by which the early apostles lived their lives. And that is that they already, and we already participate in the life of heaven. Eternal life is already a reality in our life. You know, during Lent, I read a book, and uh, the author, he said that God, that God decided to die on the cross not just for our sins, but he died on the cross and he rose from the dead so that he could abide within each one of us. So that he could live within our hearts. So that he could live united to each one of us. And already... We participate in heaven because God lives within us. These first apostles went out and they preached with boldness because they knew that God lived within them. That God was more alive in their hearts than, than their neighbor was alive, than, than the trees and, and, and their, their daily life. Even more alive than that was the fact that God God's life dwelled within them. And a second conviction that they lived in their life, that God loves them. That God loves them. That God sent his son into this world not to condemn, but to save. God loves me. God's not looking for ways to condemn me. If he was looking for ways to condemn me, he would not have given us his Holy Spirit. 
but that God loves me and he's continually looking for ways to show his love to me, to prove his love to me. That God loves me. And a third conviction that these early apostles lived with is that they can be saints. That they can be a saint. That I too can be a saint. That I too can be holy. I think so often we look at our own lives. So often we look at our own lives and we look at the sin and the darkness that is in there instead of looking at the light and looking at Christ. You know, there's somebody else who did that too, and that was Peter when he was invited to walk on the water. And he got out of the boat in the middle of a storm. And, you know, he began to walk, walk towards Jesus. And as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus, he was walking on all the things, all his problems. He was walking on all the things that were causing him to sink. But it's at the moment when he took his gaze away from Christ and began to look at the waves that he began to sink. When he began just to focus on his problems, that's when he began to sink. Well, these apostles lived their life focused on Christ. And I think sometimes, well, sometimes, you know, I'm sitting there in the confessional, and sometimes the first words that people say will say, well, Father, I'm here for the same things. (laughs) Same thing. I'm going back over the same thing over and over again. That's okay. It's okay. I don't know if you all are familiar with the, uh, the old spiritual classic written by Protestant Pilgrim's Progress. And, you know, it's a man goes on a journey. And, you know, he's journeying. You know, he leaves his home and he's journeying towards heaven. Right? Kind of a linear thing. And I think many times that's how we imagine our spiritual life. Right? It's this linear thing. And I'm journeying. And then I experience an obstacle. And I overcome this obstacle. And then I continue journeying. And sometimes the thought is, well, I've overcome that obstacle. I don't have to think about it again. I don't have to worry about it again. But then all of a sudden... <laughs> Whoops, I have to worry about it again because I fall into that same old trap. Well, this is my own, my own experience. Sometimes I like to think of the spiritual life more as like um, a snail shell in which it's more of a, a circular thing. And sometimes we do go back over the same sins in our life, but hopefully little by little, we're getting closer and closer to the center. We're getting closer and closer to God. Obviously, there are certain sins that hopefully we can leave in the past. But sometimes, you know, we do spend our lives going back over the same thing over and over and over again. And sometimes that can make us feel like, excuse me, I'm not growing. That I'm not becoming the saint that God wants me to be. But hopefully, even in those sins, even in the repetition of those sins, God, even through His Holy Spirit, has great graces for us. And I think one of the great graces is that we realize that we cannot overcome sin on our own. And it should lead us to rely more on God. The fact that I am going back over the same thing again and again and again should lead me to rely more upon God. I think sometimes in our in our spiritual life we this maybe it's my own personal once again, my own personal thing that, you know, I will become so holy you know, that I won't need God anymore. <laughs> I'll become so holy 
that, you know, that, uh, you know, I can begin to do this on my own. I can become so strong, you know, and spiritual and faithful. You know, but, you know, I won't need God, right? Now, we look at the lives of the saints. And the holier they became, the holier they became, the more reliant upon God they became. Right? See, I mean, I look out here, I see a lot of, a lot of babies, a lot of little kids, you know, the, these babies and kids, you know, not so much the altar servers, but the kids, right, they, they rely totally upon their parents. <laughs> right? They need their parents for everything. Right? And then little by little, they grow independent and, you know, go off and live their own lives and, you know, start their own families. Well, the spiritual life is exactly the opposite. The holier we become, the more reliant upon God we become. Because sin is what separates us from God. So the less sin we have in our life, the more united and more reliant upon God, the more humble we become in our life. I live in heaven, even now. God lives within me, God loves me, and that I can become a saint. And just to conclude, I think sometimes we like to ask ourselves, well, how do I measure holiness? How do I measure that I'm actually growing in holiness? Right? Well, I used to attend weekly Mass, now I attend daily Mass. Now I pray the rosary every day. <laughs> That's my life. <laughs> I think last week maybe there was a little bit of confusion because I said something about the rosary. A couple of people came up to me after Mass and said, Father, you're telling us not to pray the rosary? I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> pray the rosary. <laughs> Go to Mass. Pray. Spend time with Jesus. But how do I know that I'm growing in holiness? Well, St. Paul tells us that question in Galatians. He says, how do you know that you're walking in the Spirit? Huh? He gives us the fruits of the Spirit in our life, right? The fruit of the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? Am I growing in those realities? When I experience a difficulty and a struggle, uh, something that seems insurmountable in my life, even in dire circumstances, am I growing in love? Am I growing in peace? Even this dire circumstance in which the tendency is to do what the apostles did, which is isolate, close themselves off. Am I living goodness? Am I living kindness? Am I being gentle? If something causes me anger in my heart, am I learning how to live with self-control? Obviously deal with the thing that causes you anger. But am I able to live my life with self-control? Or does the anger control my life? How do we measure our holiness? Am I growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? The Holy Spirit manifests Christ to us, recalls His words, and opens our minds to the Paschal Mystery. Rejoicing in his spirit, we now pray. That the Holy Spirit, who makes present the mystery of Christ, will reconcile all people 
and bring them into communion with the church. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will show his richness to all those in need. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all the relationships in our own lives be made holy through the gift of the Holy Spirit, the bond of love in the Blessed Trinity. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who have died in service to our nation, and for all who continue to risk their lives in military service, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Today's Mass is being offered to the people of the parish. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are sick or infirm and for their caregivers, that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the repose of the souls of all the faithful departed, that through our prayers and those prayers of the Blessed Mother, they may join the saints in heaven. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. And let perpetual rest shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. Loving Father, bless us with the sevenfold gifts of your Holy Spirit, and let our lives manifest all the fruits of your Spirit. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.